Hey, what's up, everybody? Happy Friday to you. Hope you've had a wonderful week and are ready for the, to have a great weekend. Uh, this is TNC episode 369. I got a, a little carved out a little bit of time that I can come and go live. So um, there's so many things to catch up on. I wanted to go live and talk about all kinds of stuff. Matt, quarter two is looking really, really strong, particularly the month of May, where if you are an ESPN subscriber, you're being spoiled during that month. But we'll talk about all that. We'll talk about Canelo. Uh, there's a lot of stuff to discuss. We'll preview the first PBC on Amazon card, which big surprise, it's on pay-per-view. We'll talk about that and all bunch of other stuff. I got the phone lines open so you guys can jump in. I will stay on as long as I can. You guys know I'm dealing with uh, two young babies and helping my wife out as much as I can. So, um, you know, I may need to jump off at any point. We'll see what happens. But in the meantime, let me remind you guys, TNC uh, 369, I ask you guys always to pay the fee, right? And that fee is non-monetary. I'm just asking that you spread the word about the show. If you enjoy it, if you get something out of it, just spread the word, share it on your social. I don't care if you share the video here on YouTube or one of the 8 billion different podcast platforms that the audio version is on. Make sure you share the show on your social media. Uh, I just ask you guys to pay that fee at each and every episode, okay? Because we don't do ads. We don't do any of that crap here. Um, we just, we grow by word of mouth and I don't go on as much as I used to. You guys can understand why, um, it won't be this way forever. These little munchkins will be running around and talking soon enough and we'll be back to like a regular schedule. But right now things are a little crazy. Um, I appreciate all of you bearing with me during this time when I have a three month old and a 15 month old, it's pretty insane right now. Um, so I appreciate you, but I ask that you uh, make sure you're subscribed. If you're watching the video here on YouTube, make sure you click that notification bell so that you never miss a live episode. And uh, if you're listening on audio later on, that's great. Again, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure that you're following me. Make sure you leave ratings, reviews, all that good stuff. If you want to donate to the show and tip to the show, you could do super chats on YouTube, but Google does get a piece of that. Right, And you may not want to share a piece of it with Google. So I hear you. Go to my website, MonteroUnboxing.com. There are options there through PayPal, through Venmo, through Zelle, where you can tip the show. If you're like, hey, hey Mike, I enjoyed the show. Here's five bucks. Go get yourself. Uh, what can you get with five bucks? <laughs> I was about to say, go get yourself a beer, but you can't get a beer for five bucks anymore. I don't know. A gallon of gas. Here, Get a gallon of gas, Mike. Um, uh, you guys know I take everything that I make here and I, I put it back into the show. So um, thank you. All right. Let's get the ball rolling here. Let's get it going. Uh, first, let's look at the upcoming schedule. Quarter two, again, especially May, is shaping up to be out standing quarter one kind of bad i mean there's a couple of decent fights but i i gotta admit i'm not very interested in most of the stuff that's going on in the first quarter but the second quarter things heat up ryan garcia versus devin haney april 20th for the wbc junior uh welterweight belt that haney won against pro gray in his last fight his first fight at 140 and now this was originally rumored to be in Las Vegas. They've moved it to Brooklyn, just outside of New York City at Barclays. Uh, this will be on regular DAZN. 
So real quick, let me talk about that. You guys know I've been very, very critical of the zone in recent years, right? And I think justifiably so. It is a terrible value for American fans. It's an awesome value for many of you guys around the world in the 100-plus markets that the zone is in. But here in America, it's insane, dude. You got to be a lunatic to subscribe to the zone here in America. You got to be an absolute de degenerate, even more than me, to subscribe to the zone uh, here in America. But in this particular case, Ryan Garcia versus Devin Haney. Now, look, neither of these guys, in my opinion, are to me the best fight that could be made in boxing right now is happening June 1st, and that's between Arthur uh, Biterbiev and Dimitri Bivol. That is, to me, just my personal opinion, best fight that could be made, best fight on the schedule right now this whole year. And we'll talk about that in a second, that that's on uh, that's non pay per view. But um, this fight isn't that fight in terms of, you know, these guys are not as proven as those two fighters, but they are part of the so-called Fab Five, right? The five young American fighters in and around the lightweight division that we've all been following. And these two guys are going to fight each other and they have a history of fighting each other in the amateurs. So I'm interested in this one. So much so that what's going to happen is DAZN's going to get my money because they're being smart and they're not putting it on pay-per-view. I think what the folks at the zone are banking on, and this is a really smart play in my opinion, they are banking on Ryan Garcia's social media following, doing what I plan to do in buying one month of the zone, which I think is what, $25? I think, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, because their prices have gone up 8,000 times, but 25 bucks for a month of the zone. And then I'll cancel. So they're going to get my 25 bucks specifically for this fight. Now, if something else happens that month and I can watch it, cool. But this fight to me is worth that. Now, if they were charging $80, if this was on pay-per-view, they wouldn't get a dime from me. I'd still watch the fight, <laughs> but they wouldn't get a dime from me. The fact that they're putting this on regular zone, they're going to get my 25 bucks. So props to you, zone. Very good job. You got one right after. Several years of nothing but swings and misses. You hit the, you connected on the ball on this one. Good job. Good job. You're going to get my money. Um, so, I, you know, listen, guys, I'm critical. I might be one of the harshest damn critics out there. It's just my personality. I'm just, you know, I, I'm skeptical and critical of things and I ask hard questions, right? But I will always give credit where credit is due. And in this particular instance, I think credit is due here. Um, now, much has been made on X this week about um, the fight being moved to Brooklyn. Uh, and look, I would prefer it be at MSG in New York City, but it's just outside New York City in Brooklyn. Hipsterville, Brooklyn. Brooklyn is not what it once used to be. Uh, it's a bunch of douchebags, you know, with stupid, ironic facial hair going to fusion restaurants that make no sense i get it using chopsticks to eat pizza shit like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's brooklyn now do i love that the fight's in brooklyn now but do i really give a shit i'm watching it on tv i don't care here's why i think it went there beyond the finances i, I think that barclay has, has ponied up money for fights before right so they must have put up a good financial offer site fee for for them to take the fight there 
I'm just happy this fight isn't happening in Vegas. And they sold out and went for the casino money in Vegas. Um, Ryan Garcia is the commercial A-side here. I know that Haney's the champion and a much more proven fighter. I understand. Much more proven professional fighter. I understand that. But make no mistake, the, the star of this fight is Ryan Garcia, right? We know this. He he sold a million pay-per-views against Gervonta uh, Davis. He brought a million of those pay-per-view buyers with him. And so he's the guy that I think ultimately controls where this fight goes, or at least his promotion. They at least have a, a massive say in it. I don't think, again, I'm just speculating here. I don't think they wanted to fight in Vegas because I think if you look at the recent track record, they didn't feel they could get a fair shake with the judges in the commission against Devin Haney in Las Vegas. And I 100% believe that's the case. I mean, you can't. You're not going to get a decision against Devin Haney, Devin Haney in Vegas uh, unless maybe you're Javante Davis, but he'd never fight Devin Haney. So that's a moot point. But Haney is embedded with that commission, right? And uh, the establishment there in Nevada, which includes Floyd Mayweather and the, the whole thing. And that commission is very corrupt and it's it's um, compromised. And I'll just leave it at that. Uh, so I get why they wanted to move it to a neutral setting. Now, some of you guys would say, well, LA makes a lot more sense. It does, it does. But if your team Haney, would you want to fight Ryan Garcia in LA? It's going to be 99% Mexicans in the crowd. You're going to have none of your supporters there. So I understand why they wouldn't want it there in LA. Take it to New York. Yeah, it's two West Coast guys. You're taking it to, to New York, to, to Brooklyn. Um, it may not make sense on the surface, but um, Brooklyn, a lot of the, the black fans in Brooklyn are going to come out and support Devin Haney. All the teeny boppers and wannabe celebrities and wannabe actors and singers and shit are going to come out in support Ryan Garcia. So I think it's going to be a good crowd. I think it's going to do well. I think they'll sell tickets. Um, it would do better at the garden. I think it'd do better in the city at the garden, but maybe some of those hipsters will come out and support it. I think it'll be a fun atmosphere. I'm going to be watching this fight. It's an interesting fight. Uh, the New York market, particularly New York city and the surrounding boroughs uh, have been, it, it, that market's been dead for the last couple of years because the idiots running that state have made it so difficult to do business there in recent years, right? It's much the same in California. It's just California has such, uh, so much heat in the boxing game now. They still do have a lot of club shows and stuff like that going on there, a lot of amateur shows and stuff. But LA has been pretty dead too compared to where it once was. Uh, and that's just because of the taxes and finances involved. So this is good for New York. This is great for the New York market to get a big fight like this. OK, um, I should mention this. Haney and Garcia went three and three as amateurs, according to reports. So they split six fights between them. These guys have a lot of history together. I think it's going to be a fun fight, man. And here's why it's a good fight and a smart matchup for both guys. Ryan Garcia. You he's gone on record saying that he had a what separated rib going into the fight against Javante Davis. We already know that Davis uh, had to catch weight, the rehydration clause. They even mandated Gervonta's side, Floyd Mayweather, all of them. They mandated what Ryan Garcia could eat or drink 
Okay, they basically mandated the toilet paper he could wipe his ass with when he took a shit. That's how much they controlled that situation. So Ryan Garcia's whole point is, hey, I wasn't healthy for that fight. Yes, I looked really, really bad. It was a terrible performance. I looked like I was levels below Javante Davis, but it's because of X, Y, Z. Well, here's your point to prove, or here's your chance to prove those points. Up against Devin Haney, who is far more proven than Javante Davis, a far more accomplished professional fighter, former undisputed champion, right? You're fighting him for his belt that he just won off of Regis Progray. There's no uh, catch weight, no rehydration clause. You can eat or drink whatever the hell you want, okay? You can wear whatever fabrics you want. They're not going to mandate anything, all right? No stipulations. So no excuses. You're 100% healthy here, and you're fighting on neutral territory. You're not fighting in Vegas where the commission is going to be against you. Even though you're the bigger star, Haney's their guy. So you have zero excuses, and this is a chance for Ryan Garcia to make up for the really poor showing against Tank last year. Now, for Devin Haney, some of the same things I just brought up about Garcia and his fight with Davis this benefits Haney. If he wins, if he beats Ryan Garcia and looks good doing it, do I expect him to knock Gar uh, Garcia out? No, he, he doesn't. Devin Haney cannot bust a grape in a fruit fight at 140, okay? Uh, that's just not his style. But, so this is going the distance unless Garcia scores a knockout. But if Haney can win nine, 10 rounds and be dominant and dominate and thoroughly out box outclass Ryan Garcia in a way that Tank didn't because he's you know he stopped him uh and Garcia actually won a couple rounds early on in that fight and had moments if Haney could own him over 12 rounds and just show that he's clearly a just a level above and do that to a healthy version of Ryan Garcia that is um kind of a feather in his cap against Gervonta Davis, right? And it, they could use that as a negotiating tactic in the future. It just, it looks good for him. Now, if he struggles, if it's a close fight, if it resembles Haney Lomachenko, where a lot of people thought Lomachenko won that fight, if we end up with a close decision and a lot of people feel Garcia wins the fight, that's a bad look for Devin Haney because that'd be, you know, a couple in a row I know he was great in the pro-grade fight, but Lomachenko and then Garcia, if you have two debatable decisions or, you know, he looks a little shaky, that might hurt the brand. So there's a lot on the line here. And I like this matchup. So DAZN, you're getting my money. All right. Uh, real quick before I move on. Super chat from my man, Chris Berger. Thank you so much, Chris. Says, yo, Mike, hope you and the fam having a great week. Yeah, you know, um, my youngest daughter, Josie, actually slept a little bit this week at night. She's uh, had a, a good few nights in a row. So we've gotten some rest, which has been great. Uh, but my oldest, Jackie, who's 15 months, is hitting, I guess, hitting her toddler phase. And she's fussy, <laughs> really fussy. So it's, if, if, if it isn't one, it's the other. But um, overall, we're doing great. Thank you, Chris. Okay. Um, so that's April 20th. Now, April 27th, a week later, we have the rematch between uh, Jack Taylor 
and uh, Taylor versus Catterall. So, so a lot of people would say, who gives a shit now? It's years after the first one. It doesn't really matter. Okay. It's still a solid matchup, and I think it'll do well over in the UK. Uh, but it's an interesting fight. Um, it's, again, not a great fight, but an interesting fight, and that's on ESPN. And that takes us into May. And May is loaded, dude. Uh, I'm just looking. We've got Inouye versus Neri. And then I think a week or so after that, Lomachenko versus Cambosos. Both of those on regular ESPN slash ESPN+. Plus. So I've been very, very vocal. The reason why I subscribe to ESPN Plus is for to, to watch Nayuya Inouye. This will be the second time I'm going to get to see him. He said he'd like to fight three times this year. If he does, I will get to see four Inouye fights within a year for 150 bucks. If he only fights twice this year, then I'll get to see him three times for 150 bucks. That alone is worth my money. The fact that we get Lomachenko Cambosos, the fact that we're getting Taylor versus Catterall and other fights picked up by ESPN Plus, th these are going to be uh, quote unquote foreign fights happening outside of America, right? That they're going to pick up live and I'll get to watch at a, a, a daytime hour. Uh, that's awesome. And if I, if I want to watch it later, I could just watch it on the app and watch a replay. So um, I'm feeling very, very happy with my ESPN plus subscription right now. Okay. And I realize, guys that I think that I represent where, because I'm a diehard boxing fan, I'm a, I'm a lifer, right? I'm in the demo that boxing really, 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 really needs. They talk about, you know, you got to get the youth. Yeah, but the, the demo that carries boxing is guys in their 40s, maybe even guys in their 50s, maybe 30s to 50s, adults, grown men. They need us watching this shit. If we tune out, they're in trouble because we're the key demo. I, and I'm not alone in this. Um, I think what a lot of people are going to start doing is they're going to unsubscribe from a lot of these platforms and they're going to tune in for an occasional pay-per-view that they find is worth their money or they'll subscribe for a month if they see that there's a fight on the regular platform that they deem worthy of that month-long subscription. Sometimes they'll subscribe for a whole year if they see a lineup of fights or a particular fighter that they're passionate about following. But it's going to they're going to it's it's going to be like a la carte and you're going to pick and choose Okay, I'm going to subscribe over here for a month and then cancel. I'm going to subscribe over there for a month and then cancel. Like, I think that's what's going to happen. And it's going to be up to boxing promoters uh, or the platforms to provide value that makes fans want to tune in. And look, I think a DAZN subscription is what, $250 or something a year here in America? That's freaking nuts. But there might be three fights this year that I like enough where I buy three separate monthly subscriptions. They're going to get $75 from me. Okay, I'm just saying metaphorically. Like, like I don't know if that will happen, but they'll at least get something from me, right? And um, if they put on a, a, a pay-per-view or something that's interesting to me and it's priced right, like that show we had Saudi Arabia in December, the, the big heavyweight show, they got my money, right? I talked about that. So that's the way the market's going right now. And fans are becoming more and more educated. And um, look, a lot of fans are always going to just pirate this shit. Always. Even if it's a really good fight for, for a good price, because that's just what they're going to do, right? But there are a lot of guys out there like me 
who used to just blindly support. I used to be one of those, hey guys, support the fighters and buy the pay-per-view. That's stupid because the fighters oftentimes are getting a guaranteed purse regardless because they have an exclusive deal with a, a promotion. You're really supporting the promoters and the sanctioning organizations and the commissions and by supporting a lot of these pay-per-view shows, particularly here in America. It's, it's different overseas. So that's who you're really supporting. And once you kind of learn how the sausage is made and, and you, you can't unsee it, right? So I'm at a point now where I'm like, I'm not supporting these pricks. They don't give a shit about me. I'll support events that I feel are worth my money though. I will pay for them. If you price it right, you put it on at the right time, right place, I'll check it out. And that's where we're at in the market right now. Um, so yeah, look, May looks great. Um, and then we go into June. Oh, I should mention, obviously in May, we have Tyson Fury versus Alexander Usyk. And of course that will be pay-per-view, but that's one that's worth the money. So they're going to get my money for that. Uh, so that's May. Then we go into June and we have Arthur Biev versus Dimitri Bivol, June 1st, regular ESPN. Once again, holy hell, that's, that's, that's amazing. That is stylistically, in terms of two guys being the most proven fighters in their division, in my opinion, it's the best fight that could be made in boxing right now, and it's happening, and it's on regular ESPN. If the fight does well, if it's close, if it's competitive, if we get, if we get a, a Canelo Golovkin type of thing, I'm talking about the first two Canelo Golovkin fights. The third fight to me never happened. That shit, that shit just never happened. It's like the fourth Vasquez Marquez fight. That shit never happened. If it ends up being like that and there's demand for a rematch, perhaps the rematch goes to pay per view or something. You know, may, maybe. But man, that being a regular ESPN, that is spectacular. I'm so excited about that. And then let's see, we also have David Benavidez fighting at light heavyweight, 175, which is where he should be fighting. He's a weight bully at super middleweight, fighting Alexander Vajdik. Remember him for the interim WBC light heavyweight title. Now, um, there's one name I haven't really mentioned around all this. We'll get to it, okay? Uh, hence the, the title of this episode that you guys see, saw. So we're going to talk about the redhead in a minute because it relates to this situation and others. But a lot of people are asking, my first question was, why the hell does the WBC need to put up an interim belt when you have a freaking unification fight, an undisputed fight happening June 1st? So a couple weeks later in June, you're going to have Benavidez Vajdik for an interim belt. What? WTF? Why? Why would you do that? Well, it's part of the business plan that Mauricio Suleiman has with Canelo Alvarez and Al Heyman. Because they all work together right now. Particularly, Suleiman works exclusively with Canelo. And he works exclusively almost with Al Heyman. So they have a plan. And it, this is all part of it. Um, I, I Listen, a lot of people think that this is a very winnable fight for Vajdik. Look, on the surface, maybe. But if he's anywhere near the level he was in the late 2010s, he will be the best opponent Benavides has faced by far. 
Yes, I'm including Caleb Plant in that. Caleb Plant fans. Yes, Fosh Dick was much better than Caleb Plant at his best. I, I will say a level above. How about that? I won't say much better. A level above, a notch above. Anyway, but is, do we know if Vosh Dick is on that level anymore? Guys, he lost to Arthur Bedarbiev in 2019. He did not fight for three years, 2020 through 2022. He came back last year. He did fight three times. He has been active, but it was against very poor B-level, C-level opposition. So is he ready to fight David Benavidez? I guess he's as ready as he's ever going to be. He's got all the experience he needs. But is he anywhere near the guy he was five, six, seven years ago? I, I highly doubt it. He's in his late 30s. And being out for three years, I, I just don't know. I favor Benavidez in this fight. I actually think Team Vojdik, they, they want to win, obviously. But and my, my man Calix brought up this point on, um, on Twitter. He brought up the point that uh, Vojdik is a Reynoso guy. Eddie Reynoso has been managing him since his little comeback, right? So this is a chance for Reynoso, Team Reynoso, to get a close-up look at David Benavidez. And Vojdik is kind of going to be the sacrificial lamb, taking one for the team here. Although, again, he has a very good chance of winning if he's near the guy that he wants, if he's anywhere near the guy that he once was. But assuming he's not, and he's faded, and he's well past his best years, as most guys his age with his activity level in recent years would be. And Benavidez gets the W here. Reynoso slash Canelo, because Canelo's a Reynoso guy, right? They get a real detailed look at Benavidez. And you can look at video and you can, you know, training footage and previous fights. It's another thing to be across the ring looking at the guy and strategizing and having your fighter go up against that fighter. That's a completely different thing. Okay. So um, this is a really, really smart play by Team Canelo. And I see everybody out there saying that Canelo is ducking Benavidez. He doesn't want the fight. And apparently there's a $55 million offer. And that's the thing. That's the narrative now. There's absolutely zero evidence of that. It, do any of you have a source on this $55 million offer that was apparently made for Canelo to fight David Benavidez? Because I haven't seen one legitimate source proving that that ever existed. From what I can tell, it's nonsense. Is Canelo ducking David Benavidez? I don't know if I'll go as far as to use the word duck, but it's pretty evident he doesn't want to fight the guy, at least not yet. Canelo has fought challenges in his career. He's taken challenges. Generally speaking, they wait those challenges out. They try to age guys out. They try to... Um, you know, make them suffer, cutting weight or whatever it is. The only guy that Canelo rushed to fight prematurely was Floyd Mayweather. But at that time, it made a lot of sense to do so. At this stage, it doesn't make sense to do that. So he waited out Golovkin, right? Uh, but I give him credit for fighting Golovkin twice. He fought Dimitri Bivol when he didn't have to. There was no need for him to take that fight, right? So I give him credit for that. And I do think he would fight Benavidez, but 
I think he wants to take care of other business first and get a really good look at the guy. And if, look, if Vajdik beats Benavidez, you don't have to fight him. You know, I mean, there are other options. Canelo can do whatever the hell he wants. So let's talk about him. According to reports from um, Mexican media, and I want you guys to think about this. Um, it was leaked that Canelo, his side, wanted Jermal Charlo. And PBC, who Canelo has a partnership with right now, they want Jaime Munguia. Canelo's a Mexican fighter. This was leaked to Mexican media. I think you guys can do the math on who leaked this information, which side of the negotiation leaked this info. And so then we have to think, how does it benefit Canelo to put this out there? I think it's a flex from him. I think it's a flex. Um, th think about the optics of how this looks, okay? According to reports, PBC is willing to put up the $35 million guarantee that they promised to Canelo with their three-fight partnership. They're willing to do that for Jaime Munguia on May 4th. Jaime Munguia is a fighter that they do not represent, right? And I should back up real quick. And I should mention that PBC is not a promoter. They're a platform. Al Heyman technically is a manager, right? He uses other promoters to do the promotional side of, of their fights. So that, that gives Heyman slash PBC a certain flexibility to do things differently than other promoters can do it. Okay. In the negotiating room and, and otherwise. So Canelo has his own promotional company. He signed a three fight deal with PBC to fight on their platform, but they are not his promoter. He is not a PBC fighter in that sense. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's not even necessarily managed or advised by them right now. He has a three-fight deal to fight on their platform. That's what's going on, okay? Now, Jermall Charlo has been a PBC guy his entire career. Cradle to grave, he's Heyman, right? He's a Heyman guy. He is a PBC guy through and through. Jaime Munguia has a, uh, his own promoter. He has his own management outside of PBC. So they're more willing to pay $35 million guaranteed to Canelo to fight a guy that's not their guy. And thus, they're going to have to split revenue with Munguia and his people. They'd rather do that than pay the $35 million guarantee for Canelo to fight their own guy where they don't have to split the revenue. Think about the optics of that. Think about how that looks. It's not a good look. It's 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 not. And, and like from a business perspective, I get it. And and if you guys, if you go back and rewatch the last episode of TNC, there are some hints. I, I went back and I watched it and I was like, I probably said a little too much. <laughs> There's a couple of times where I I should have worded things a little bit differently and I revealed, you know my secrets um, with unknowingly in that episode. But you'll see that I strongly hinted toward things going in this direction without trying to say it, okay? Um, because the, the reality is 
Canelo and his people are in no rush to fight Benavidez. And Jaime Mugia, even if you're splitting the revenue, still makes more money than Jamal Charlo. It's still a bigger fight. So why would Canelo say, I want Charlo? Well, because I think for two reasons. I think one, Canelo views Charlo as the easier fight. Think about that. Jamal Charlo was on pound for pound lists. Guys like Coppinger had him on their pound for pound. Okay. You know, you guys know why that was, but I'm just saying. Canelo, Mungia is a guy that a lot of people say is a quote unquote bum. And I hate using that word. I'll never use it. But a lot of people say that about him. I don't feel that way. I do feel he was overhyped at 154, 160, but he has improved. He's matured as a fighter. This is the best he's ever going to be. Uh, he's not an elite guy, but he's a tough out physically for Canelo at 168, a tougher out than Jamal Charlo. Um, boy, does that shatter some freaking narratives, man. Boy, does that destroy some narratives that have been pushed by a lot of people in the American press, not just the cult and the whack jobs on, on social media for the last few years. That blows up a hell of, <coughs> a, hell of a lot of narratives losing my voice over this shit, um, that have been pushed. And the proof of it, look, no one's coming out publicly saying these things, but just look at what they're doing. Actions, actions reveal all, okay? More so than words ever could. And the fact that they're willing to put up a guarantee for Mugia, but not for Charlo, whoo, that says a lot. If you're Canelo, um, you view Charlo as the easier fight, okay? So you say, that's who I want to fight. Knowing that it's probably going to be turned down and you settle on Mungia, but maybe you get that offer bumped up from 35 to 40 million. Or maybe you get some more money on the backside, on the pay-per-view, um, or some more of the foreign TV rights. So this is that's why I say this is a flex for him. And the WBC is in business with Canelo Alvarez, right? They have been for years after they had that beef with him with the whole Golovkin situation. So they're not going to upset Canelo and they're going to, I honestly believe, again, I have no inside information. This is just me knowing how this shit works. I honestly believe that people connected to the Canelo camp talked to Mauricio Suleiman and folks at the BC and said, hey, here's, here's what we're thinking just to let you know. And instead of making David Benavidez a mandatory where Canelo had to fight him next, or he'd be stripped instead of going that route, which they have done for a lot of other fighters, they've stripped a lot of other guys. Okay. Instead of going that route, remember what they did to Lomachenko. Just, there's a million names I could bring up. There's no franchise title and make the WBC vacant and let Benavidez fight for it. None of that nonsense. They left all that alone because that's what King Canelo wanted. And they said, look, what if Benavidez goes up to 75, fights for an, our interim belt up there? Everybody wins because the WBC has desperately tried to get David Benavidez a BC belt for years. It should be mentioned that Benavidez lost his title not once but twice because of stupidity outside the ring, right? So they're – trying to get him a belt for the third time. 
And they've had a hard-on for Dimitri Bevel fighting for the Undisputed at 75 forever. This is a chance maybe that Benavidez can go up and get Undisputed at some point. It's just everybody wins in this scenario, okay, the, with this partnership. So that's what I think is going on here. Um, let me also mention, oh, you know what? You know what? Let me let me share my screen real quick. I want to show it, a, a post that my man Steve Kim made today on X slash Twitter. And I won't read the whole thing because it's it's very, very long, but this is the best summation. That's a word that I've seen of the Canelo Benavidez situation or just the whole Canelo situation in general right now. All right. Steve says uh, the Canelo Benavidez situation isn't just about a fighter not wanting to fight another guy. Everyone has some blame here. And Steve mentions that Benavidez lost his WBC super middleweight title twice. Had he not lost it, and Canelo really not wanted to face him, maybe Canelo doesn't go for undisputed at 168, and it changes the, the, the course of history in that division over the last few years. That's 100% on Benavidez for losing that. And then Steve goes in here um, in talking about the WBC, the point I just made, that they should have just made Benavidez their mandatory. They didn't because they want to be in the Canelo Alvarez business and Canelo beefed with Suleiman when they forced him to fight Golovkin. Remember that Canelo didn't want to fight Golovkin at that time. He wanted to wait him out and get a, a good look at him for a while and age him out a little bit. And so Canelo didn't do business with Suleiman for a while after that. And they, to make nice Mauricio hasn't gone against Canelo in any ruling ever since. He hasn't forced him to do anything he didn't want to do ever since. Mauricio has worked for Canelo, not the other way around, which is, you know, not the way it's supposed to work. Um, and then Steve says here, the, the PBC could insist that since they are putting up the money or getting someone else to put up the money, which is actually the case, they uh, that they insist on Canelo facing Benavidez. But the reality is that nobody can force Anybody to fight at any time. So the middle ground is Jaime Munguia. Uh, Canelo is in a situation, a position, that no matter who he faces, it's a big event. That's true. Canelo could fight a pizza boy. He could fight any of you guys. He could fight me. It's a big event on pay-per-view. I posted a tweet recently. That somebody made a, a friend made a, a graphic, a, a, a fight poster of me fighting Canelo, and I posted that out there as a troll, basically saying he could fight a guy like me and it would be a big event. It's the truth. Um, the reality is that he may look at Benavides as too high a risk, even though it would bring with him a lucrative payday. Uh, and I think he clearly does. And I'm not justifying it. I'm not saying I like it. But to act like this is 100% on Canelo and blame him for this whole situation is ridiculous. Benavides lost his belt twice. He, at one point, his contract with PBC was up and he could have signed with Matchroom, who had all the juice at 168 at that time. He didn't. He re-upped with PBC. Knowing the way they do business, that would mean to be sitting on his ass for most of the year and not fighting the top guys. He chose to do that. He chose to play with the white girl a bit too much and lose his belt twice. Um, so that's on him. That's on him. 100%. Now Canelo's in a position where he's like, yeah, I'm going to fight who I want to fight. Canelo's flexing his muscles here. And unfortunately, that's just the way 
boxing is done these days. I don't love it, but that's the reality of the situation. And a lot of people are trying to really act naive here. I don't get it. Okay. Um, also, I should mention that um, Gervonta Davis is supposed to fight Frank Martin on pay-per-view uh, around that time, whether it be May, whether it be June. Apparently, it's late spring, early summer. I lean more towards early summer. But they haven't announced a date yet because I think a lot of that centers around what Canelo does. But if you're PBC, their launch is on March 30th. Talk about that in a second. And then they may or may not have a Canelo fight in May. And then perhaps it's Javante Davis versus Frank Martin in June. That will be pay-per-view. So the first three shows that they have rumored to be taking place on this new platform are all pay-per-views. And I go back to the announcement they made in what? December, that uh, they had launched this partnership with Amazon Prime and they were going to start streaming their shows on there. And it was pay-per-view and non-pay-per-view cards alike, right? And not a single member of the, how about this? Not a single high ranking member of the boxing press in America pushed back and asked, well, how many? How many fights will be on pay-per-view? How many will be non-pay-per-view? It was guys like me, guys like you watching this, listening to this, that asked those questions, not them. You guys know the names. They basically put out puff pieces because that's what they do because they want to keep access. Journalism is fucking dead. It's dead. It's dead. So the first three shows that they're going to put on are pay-per-views. Gervonta Davis. Frank Barton is a better opponent than most of Gervonta Davis's opponents. He is. He's a slight step up. But he's not one of the guys we want to see Davis fight. And when you're getting Ryan Garcia and Devin Haney on regular DAZN, non-pay-per-view, and then you're getting Davis versus Martin on pay-per-view, tough sell. When you're getting Beter Biev versus Bivol, June 1st, regular ESPN, you're getting to watch Naoya Inoue versus Luis Neri. That's a really good fight, guys. Regular ESPN. Lomacheco Cambosos, that's going to be a lot of fun. Regular ESPN. Davis versus Martin pay-per-view. Oh, and I should mention, how did I forget this? Benavidez versus Vajdik. Apparently, that's a pay-per-view. So let me let me back up. Let me back up. So you're going to do this March 30 pay-per-view show, which is garbage. There's one fight on there, on there I'm interested in. Again, we'll preview that in just a minute here. But you're going to launch March 30th with a pay-per-view that nobody gives a shit about, that nobody wanted to see. And then you're going to do a Canelo pay-per-view at some point. Maybe it's against Mungia, probably against Mungia, but we'll see. And then in June, and then maybe July, I don't know, you're going to give us Benavidez, Vajdik, and Davis Martin on pay-per-view. So your first four shows are pay-per-views. Good luck with that. Good luck. I'm sure uh, this partnership will go very well for you. <clears throat> and, you know, Props to all the American reporters that are honestly reporting about this and pushing back and asking questions about this massive platform, the biggest American platform in boxing that represents the most American fighters. Good job, guys. Really, really good. You guys are great. Fucking cowards. <clears throat> all right. So that's the whole schedule there. I should also mention I got here in my notes 
Uh, well, no, we'll, we'll save this for the preview. Okay. Um, let's see here. I want to make sure I'm caught up in the chat. All right, we got a bunch of you guys in the chat. If you're just joining, make sure you're, you're smashing that like button. Make sure that you share the show. Pay the fee. All right, guys? Um, let's see. <clears throat> Real quick. Let me do a quick preview of what's coming up, okay? And then I'll jump to the phones. Um, this uh, Saturday, Tokyo, February 24th, Tokyo. Alexandro Santiago versus Junto Nakatani for Santiago's WBC Bantamweight belt. This will be on ESPN Plus here in the United States at 4 a.m. Eastern time. That's when the card will kick off. There are several title fights on this card. All right, but that's the main event. I imagine the main event will go on around 7 o'clock um, Eastern time again, 7 a.m. So it's pretty awesome that I get to wake up February 24th. Boop, and I turn on my ESPN Plus and I get to watch one of the best little guys in the sport, Junto Nakatani, who I favor to beat Santiago and take his belt. March 8th, Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. Anthony Joshua versus Francis Ngannou and Zale Zhang versus Joseph Parker. I'm interested in this show, okay? And I'm 50-50 on if I'm going to buy it because here's the thing. Paperview.com has it, and they're charging $70. To me, this show is not worth $70. That's too much. It's too much. You're asking too much. If you are a DAZN subscriber, it is $40. That's a good value. I'm not a DAZN subscriber, though, and I'm not going to subscribe until April when we get that Garcia-Haney fight. And I'm not going to subscribe two months in a row because it's not worth it. So, um, because essentially subscribing for the month of March Plus the pay-per-view is what, 65 bucks? I don't feel this fight's worth 65 bucks. If ESPN Plus jumps in and picks up distribution on this, which they did for that um, the December 23rd show, and I think they've done it with some other shows, but if they jump in here and pick up some distribution and I could pay 40, 50 bucks as part of my ESPN Plus subscription and order this pay-per-view, I would get it. If they don't jump in, and I'm forced to either pay $70 on pay-per-view.com or what would end up being $65 on the zone. Not going to buy it. I'll still watch, but I ain't going to buy it. Um, the fight that I'm really interested in is Zhang versus Parker. I think that's a great freaking fight, man. That's a great fight. So I, I'm definitely going to be watching that. And Joshua, I fully expect to do to Ngannou what Tyson Fury should have done. So that'll be a little bit of bragging rights for him over Tyson Fury. I like him in that fight. Uh, okay, and then March 30th, let's talk about this. Tim Zhu versus Jermell Charlie. No, 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 no. Tim Zhu versus Keith Thurman. Yes, Keith Thurman, who has fought, I believe, five times since 2015. For you math geniuses out there, that's almost a decade. So that's kind of one fight every two years. By the time this fight happens, it will have been more than two years since Keith Thurman has fought at all. I should also mention, he has fought his entire career at welterweight. Yes, he had some catchweight fights early on as a prospect, but he was campaigning as a welterweight at that time. Okay, He came in overweight a few times. That's very, very normal for prospects to do. Um, I love that in the reports of this fight, Mike Coppinger put out, uh, not to beat up on Mike, but it is what it is. It's just, he's such a company guy that it's just, it's just comical to me. Um, 
anyway, I was going to say something. I won't say it. Um, he mentioned, you know, he had to bring it up. Hey, Thurman fought as, as a light middleweight in, in the amateurs. So, you know, hey, hey, I know he's been a welter, but, you know, he has fought as a light middleweight before. So, you know, this this fight makes sense. It makes more sense than you guys think. That's basically what he said to try to help sell this fight for them. And I'm thinking, Keith Thurman went pro in 2007, bro. That's almost two decades ago. So he hasn't campaigned. And I think, I believe, light middleweight in the amateurs is 152. I might be wrong on that, but I, I do think it's a little bit less than 154. Anyway, he fought there because um, he, I guess he didn't want to burn down to welterweight. Maybe that was part of it, but he's burned down to welterweight as a pro. But in the amateurs, you have to weigh in same day. So maybe that's what it was. Maybe the competition at welterweight was more fierce and he fought, he thought him and his team thought they had a, a better chance campaigning as a light middleweight, whatever. It doesn't matter. It was, oh, it was two decades ago, bro. So to even mention that shows how desperate they are to find some way to justify this matchup. I've also seen people uh, on Twitter X, whatever. I'm, I'm just going to call this shit Twitter. I've seen people saying that um, man Thurman is a star. And he's a big name, and that's gonna you know help build uh, Tim Zoo's brand. And I'm like, I are you kidding me? Thurman fought two years ago on pay per view. There's only pay per view that he's ever carried as the A side. I should mention that, and it was against what Barrios, Mario Barrios. It didn't even break fifty thousand pay per view buys. Not even fifty thousand. This guy's a superstar. This this guy's a big name. A guy who couldn't sell fifty thousand pay per views against a Mexican American. He's a big star. Right. Right. <clears throat> Tell me why we couldn't just go straight to Tim Zhu versus Jermel Charlo. Why couldn't we go right to that? That would be an interesting launch for PBC and Amazon. I wouldn't like that it'd be $80 on pay-per-view. Probably wouldn't pay $80 for it, but I would like the fight. It would make sense. It'd be a little bit of a shit stain on it because Jamel sold out against Canelo last year. But other than that, that fight would be great. But this, and it's on pay-per-view, and this is the launch on a new platform that you have a multi-year uh, rights deal with? This is how you launch? Really? As I said before, <clears throat> good luck with that. Um. I should mention that I'm going to be previewing this entire card in detail in a piece for Ring Magazine coming up. So um, I'm actually sending that off to Doug Fisher this weekend so you guys can read that, um, where I'll give a little more of my thoughts. And you can imagine uh, how I feel. Uh, you know, I have to temper it for the magazine. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to try to get back into contributing more this year um, as uh, – Things get a little easier with, with the kids. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Um, let's jump to the phones here. Let's take a couple quick calls, guys. I can't keep it too long on the phone calls, so let's keep it quick. But, yes, let's jump to the phones. Let's start with, I think this is Hamed, uh, 796. What's going on? Yeah, hello, Mike. Uh, how's it going? It's been a while since you. Yeah. Are you? Yeah, I missed the beginning of the show, so I only caught – um, the last, I think, about 15 minutes. But I heard you talking about the, 
the Benavidez Canelo situation and the Thurman fight. I I don't disagree with uh, pretty much anything you're saying about the Thurman fight, but I think he did have one notable fight, which obviously was like ten years ago against the washed up I think Carlos Quintana, who was pretty much retired after that fight. So if uh, Mike Cummins was talking about Thurman fighting at 154, he may be he may be alluding to that, but. I agree. It's not a fight that I'm really gonna go out my way so uh, to watch. So uh, asking people to pay for it, I think that, that's like a big reach. Uh, yeah. It's not a fight. I'm not even like that interested. I I, I don't know what you think, but I think Gavaldik and um, arguing with the guys on box, uh, the boxing voice. I think Gavaldik and Benavides is a better matchup than not only this fight, but. Arguably, than the Frank Martin and even Javante Davis fight because I think Frank Martin is a bit untested or not that talented as some of the other lightweights. And Thurman has been off two years. Gavazdik is more accomplished than Frank Martin. I don't know about Thurman because Thurman technically unified titles, but Gavazdik, you could argue, was a lineal champion. But Gavazdik has fought three times in the last year. Thurman hasn't fought in over two years. Yeah, I think you bring up some good points. Um, if if Vazdik is anywhere near the guy he was when he had a world title, then clearly Benavidez Vazdik is a better fight than, uh, than Zoo Thurman and Davis Martin. I completely agree with you. What remains to be seen is the condition Vajdik is in. Is he anywhere near top form? Um, is he anywhere you know near that that peak level? If he is, then he he would be Benavidez's best opponent, and it's an interesting fight. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but th- that's not a pay per view fight, man. I mean, that's did you? Yeah, no, 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 no. That, that's like that. Maybe in the Javante Davis Frank Martin fight, if you want to put them on together as a pay per view. Then maybe you could argue. You want to stack the yeah. card up, but if they if they go pay per view on both of those fights, or even one of them, uh, I I don't like that. But I think the Javante Davis fight is already uh, is already the approved deal or confirmed as a pay per view. They're I, all pay per view. I don't know why people are- literally their first four shows are pay per views according to all the reports out there, which is awful. I, I, Just I awful. Don't, I don't know. If, yeah, I don't know if that. I don't know if that's gonna sell, especially Benavides and. Was this? But I, I was gonna say one thing. Uh, a lot of people are obviously going one way or the other. If you're a Canelo fan, they're gonna, what's it called? Obviously, blame Benavides, which a lot of Canelo's biggest fans are doing. And then the guys that don't like Canelo, the PBC fans, the Benavides super fans, they going the other way. But would you say this is the right decision? Because I was debating a couple of people on Discord yesterday. I was saying if we can't fight Canelo, because I, I spoke to Benavides about three years ago, and he told me. I'll give it three more years. Now, this was in 2021. And I'll move up to like every because he was cutting a lot of weight back then as well. But if you can't fight Canelo, is there really any point sticking around super middleweight to fight no. guys like Mobili, Morel, and Mungia and these guys went? No. If you can't get the main fight, I think I like every week. If you beat Vosdik, you maybe could get the winner of the Batavia Bezos fight down tonight. Well, he'd technically be the mandatory because it's for the WBC yes. interim. So strategically, it makes sense. Um, he has been killing himself to make 168. It's amazing that he does. He, he's a big dude. He's really a cruiserweight that somehow boils down 
to 168. So I think he'll be healthier and even better at 75. I don't know if I'd favor him to beat Peter Bia for Bivol. I haven't seen anything from him yet that makes me yeah. think he'd beat them, but it's, it's, he may, maybe he's going to show some improvement and look even better. And, and maybe he could beat them. Um, but yeah, I, I like this from his team because they're not just sitting around waiting for Canelo. Other guys have done that in the past and it cost them. Golovkin did that and it cost them. So um, I like that they're you, they're moving forward. You think that's it? Like it's over? Because I, I I don't think it's healthy to go back down to uh, one six. I think that's part of the strategy from Canelo's side. Uh, you know, because I know what you're getting at. I think that from Canelo's side. Let him go up to 175. Let Benavidez go up to 75. Let Reynoso get a really good look at him because Reynoso represents Vostick. So they'll get a really good look yeah. at Benavidez. And then force him to drain back down to 168 and say, listen, if we're fighting, we're going to fight for my undisputed championship. You got to move back down and wait. That hurts Benavidez. So they wait him out. He suffers more cutting weight because he's going to bulk up, then cut weight again. And uh, they get a good look at him. It's strategic chess from Canelo. So I still think it's possible we could get a Canelo Benavidez fight. Um it depends on how he looks against Vajdik. If he looks vulnerable, it could happen. Um but then again, maybe yeah. Canelo never fights him. And honestly, I at this point I just kind of don't give a shit. <laughs> There's just other fights yeah, I'd my, rather my, see. Uh, you know? I, I no I I thought it was a very good fight because uh, I didn't I seriously did not know who to pick. I was starting to favor Benavides in the last year. But if he, if Benavides survived Bival and Batubiev, I favor both guys. This was at a point of Canelo's, a stage of Canelo's career where I actually thought this was a 50-50 fight and the most arguably intriguing matchup since the Golovkin fight. I thought the Bival fight was like, if, if Cherry Pig had gone wrong, is not the right yeah. read. I thought it was a fight that he just overlooked. They overlooked Bival. Would you say, would you say if, uh, Benavidez doesn't before I move, uh, let you get to the other corner. If he doesn't fight Canelo, do you think Canelo will fight someone else other than Crawford? Because I keep reading that, but yes. he, he said he's not fighting Crawford. Um, the Crawford fights in their back pocket. I actually think that him and Crawford are talking, and they might do that independently without PBC involved. If if and when that happens, yeah. that's what I've been told. Um, all right. And I could put that on record, but with Mung I, I think he'll fight Mungia. Um, and, and Benavidez does not want Morel. That's a really risky fight for him. It'd be his best opponent, and he brings nothing to the table financially. So th just everyone's going in the direction they're going in right now for business reasons. But I do think Canelo you know, will fight Mungia. You know, Mike, uh, Morel, I think Morel should do what uh, Boots should be doing as well. Jaron Ennis has got a belt. I think uh, Morel has got some sort of second tier belt. I was, before I go, I was just going to say, maybe Morel, if Benavidez does go up, but he looks like he is to like every... Maybe Morel should follow suit. Because if Canelo is not fighting Benavidez, no way does Canelo and Morel ever happen. Like So maybe Morel should look at moving up uh, as well. If he can't get like the big fights, then... I think any Janon any should have thought about that. But I don't know what happened to that guy's career. That, that career is completely... Gone backwards because that was, yeah. I thought, a very promising fighter. Yeah. I think he's been mismanaged as well. But thanks for taking my call. I'll let you get to that. All right, thanks, Ahmed. Have a good weekend, brother. All right, we got a super chat here from Joe five six nine eight four. Thank you so much, Joe. He says, Do the economics of boxing really favor pay per view fights 
that do less than 75,000 buys rather than fighting on ESPN Plus or DAZN? Do these shows even make money? Fantastic question. Um, every situation is a little different. Okay. So I'm going to talk in generalities here. I'm going to talk about the rule rather than the exception, but just do some basic math. Okay. Let's, let's keep it at a hundred thousand buys to, to make the numbers, the math easier. Cause my brain is fried right now. Um, if you do if you, $80, hundred thousand buys was that 8 million bucks. And then you have to whack that up. You have to whack that money up. But if you have a guarantee of, let's say 3 million, for the one main event guy and the other guy gets 500,000 and then you, your undercard fighters are getting, you know, six figures, five figures. Um, that show could be profitable. If you include ticket sales and any sponsorships that come along with it, merchandising, all of it, a show like that could be profitable with only 50, hundred thousand buys. If the, the, the guarantee purses are lower, you can, you can in theory make money off a show that does 50,000 buys. Now, if you're going to the network, quote unquote, or platform, I should say, because it's a lot of streaming platforms now, those guys have to be willing to pay you the money to put your show on their platform, right? So let's stick with ESPN. ESPN has to be willing to pay top rank the amount of money top rank needs to pay the purses because ESPN pays for the programming. Right. So if ESPN doesn't feel a show is worthy of their money, let, let, let's just say Bob Aaron wants to make a fight between two guys and he needs he his guys do the math and are like, with what we project, this fight will do uh, ticket sales and all this, all these other revenue streams. We need five million dollars of network money to meet the purse demands. And he goes to ESPN and they say, you know what? We ain't paying you a dime over three and a half mil because we just don't feel it's worth that from what we're going to get on ad revenue. Aram's in a position now where he either has to go back to the fighters and lower the purse demands, change the opponent, or put the show on pay-per-view. That's the economics of boxing right now, okay? Um, and for, for PBC on Amazon, for the first four rumored shows that they're having in the first half of this year, for all four of them to be on pay-per-view, that lets you know how confident Amazon is in putting up the money for these fights. So that's where we're at. <clears throat> all right. Uh, Mike, Mike Mendiola in the chat asked, if Zuvers Thurman was on free ESPN, would it still be a horrible card? And secondly, what pay-per-view buys does it need for anyone critical of this card to be considered a success? Um, I mean, look, the, Mike, I know PBC, I know you're in, you work with those guys and, and you, you strongly de defend them. I, I, I get it, bro. Um, if Zoo versus Thurman was on free ESPN, I couldn't say that it was, I still wouldn't like the fight but I wouldn't say that it was um, a bad value because it'd be free. You know, if you have an ESP or a, an Amazon prime subscription, you get to watch the fight. So uh, it wouldn't cost you any more as a boxing fan to watch it. And if you got all the other undercard fights with it, and a couple of those undercard fights are interesting. My favorite is Sergei Bohochuk versus Sebastian Fondora. I like that fight a lot. Um, none of them are pay-per-view worthy fights, but if you had a, that whole card on regular uh, PBC on Amazon, I, I really, you know, would I love the main event? No, I'd much rather see Zoo fight Charlo. But 
I would, or one of the other top guys at, at uh, junior middleweight if Charlo's unavailable. But I couldn't complain because it'd be on free Amazon, right? I wouldn't be as critical. But when you put all this stuff on pay-per-view, bro, and it, when I combine that with the reporting of the, the announcement that they're they're launching this new new partnership, and they say, with, with no detail, Amazon is going to have pay-per-view and non-pay-per-view cards. But they don't, they don't give details. Like, is it half and half? Is it 90-10? Like, what's the split? How many events? There's no details given. There's no pushback from the media to get those details. And the first four shows that are rumored to be happening, and it's all being reported by one guy who, you know, his agent leaks information to him. Um, he's reporting it. All four of them are going to be pay-per-views. How do you defend that, dude? I it, Listen, Mike, you ain't got to tell me that the fighters are getting paid well. We know that. I'm happy that the fighters are getting paid well. But if nobody's watching, it's further marginalizing the sport in America. It's it's burying it more and more and more underground. Less and less people give a shit. Less and less people are willing to pay for it anymore. And they pick and choose a few fights here and there that they're going to watch, and that's about it. And I'm becoming one of those guys. I'm a boxing lifer. I never thought I'd say this. But I'm becoming one of those guys. And I know several dudes that cover the sport, guys that I look toward as mentors and I really respect their work. They are not saying it publicly, but in private conversations between us, they feel the same way I do. They're becoming part-time fans, even though they're working in the sport, because that's just where they're taking it. If every show is pay-per-view, dog, how do you how do you defend it? <clears throat> Uh, okay. Hamed says, uh, Thurman is arguably washed up and hasn't beaten anyone at 154 since 2012. Now coming off a two-year layoff. That's completely true. And he, Hamed adds, honestly, I'd rather seen Zuvers, Virgil Ortiz, or even Danny Garcia. Uh, I would, I wouldn't be interested in Danny Garcia, but Virgil Ortiz, I'd be very interested in. Tim Zuvers, Virgil Ortiz, sign me up for some of that. How about Tim Zoo versus Jerron Ennis? The name that you mentioned, Hamed. Jerron Ennis is like floating in space. And I know right now he's he's having legal disputes with his management because they've been so terrible. I get it. If they could have worked that out and have Tim Zoo fight Jerron Ennis, oh, problem solved. Sign me up for that pay-per-view. But <laughs> we're not getting that. Uh, Tim Zoo versus Virgil Ortiz. Virgil Ortiz has lost all the momentum he once had, but I'd still love that fight. I'd love that fight. But yeah, we're not getting those fights. He's fighting Keith Thurman. Come on, guys. How do you defend that? And then again, pay-per-view, $80? Come on. All right, back to the phones real quick. Um, let's go to 782 in the UK. You're on the show. What's up? Hey, Mike, it's Pa. Long time, my man. How you doing? Good. How you doing, man? <laughs> I'm 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 great. I think God, it's got to be about a year. I think the last time I spoke to you was, I think it was about a week before I went to Miami. I it would be a year, man. It would be a year. Yeah. But, uh, good show, man. Good show. Thank hope, you. Hope you're doing well. One point, and then what? Uh, one question, if you could, if you could answer. Um, I am more into Parker versus Zhang in two weeks than I'm the main event, and I know some of the listeners, or probably most of them, won't agree. I think Parker's going to stop him late. 
that's just me. I think he'll box on the outside, keep away from the sneaky little left hand that Zang has got that Joyce couldn't move away from. Tire the big guy out. I know it's, I know it's easier said than done. And then he'll either stop him on his feet late or he'll get a he'll get a tight decision. Mm. That's just my opinion. But I just wonder a question for you. Um, and I've never asked this any time I've been over there. Why in America is pay-per-view so damn expensive <laughs> in all your sports? Yeah. Compared, no, compared to what we pay here. Uh, I mean, you're, you're saying about half an hour ago, $70 yeah. for a pay-per-view. And that's generous. A lot of them are 80 the $85. Well, yeah. give, given, you know, the cost of living crisis along all the Western world just now, you know, with the post-COVID and and Russia and everything and the, the, the price of gas and et cetera, et cetera. Can, can Americans even pay that just now? I mean, you know, and get a good return on that. You bring up fantastic points that I have shared on this show <laughs> in recent years. And, and yeah. again, I, I hate to sound like a PBC Hater, I'm really not, but t- from 2020 on, you know, you mentioned the COVID pandemic. I think that's a great point because yeah. from that point on, um, for the last few years, particularly in America, our economy has been really, really bad. The dollar has lost, I think, over 20% yeah. in the last three years. It's record inflation, uh, yeah. consumables like gas and things like that. Um, all the prices are insane, materials. And, and there has been one mm. platform more than others. That is, I mean, literally put on dozens, dozens of $80 pay-per-views in the 2020s. And the only ones that have broken through and done any numbers are because they were crossover promotions with non-PBC guys like Ryan Garcia, Terrence Crawford, those kind of guys coming over. It's the only reason they've broken through. Uh, And and that is why they're no longer on Showtime. That is why no network wanted to work with them. That's why they're on Amazon Prime right now. Um, that's part of. It's not the only reason. Amazon. Yeah. So, because I mean, it, it seems like it's even if you go back in years, what we pay over here for the, uh, I mean, like for for example, Spence, Mikey Garcia, that was free air over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was on Channel Five. Yeah, I don't know how much it was over well, yeah, there. I think um, you, I, you just think people. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, Pat, but um, AJ versus Ganu, yeah. that's 20 pounds, right? 20 pounds over there? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's usually what it is, right? 20, 25 pounds? Yeah, I think the most I've ever paid, I think I paid 25 pounds for Klitschko Joshua. And that was a huge fight. I knew it would be a good fight. Yeah. It's a huge fight. But I would rather I would rather go and spend that money in a bar with my friends and watch it for free in a bar then spend that in the house and you still have to buy all your beer. Well, Hey, you get it for free at bars. They have yeah. it for free at bars over there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Here. It, oh, any God, bar, like bars, casinos. Yeah. Any bar that wants to show Absolutely it here, free, yeah. um, you're probably going to pay $20 just to get into, into the bar. So to, to answer your question, though, Pat, and by the way, I like your prediction for Parker Zane. Yeah. I think that's very possible. That's an interesting prediction. I favor Zane, but I, it, it, I would yeah. not count Parker out at all. But um, the biggest no. – well, the, Go ahead. Well, the thing is you – know, No, sorry, Mike. I was just going to say no. that 
No, what it was, Mike, was, yeah. The delay. <laughs> go ahead. You talk. Oh, wait, you, you, go. You, talk. No, you, you, you go. You go. You go. You go. Okay. No, right. Well, see, as Parker goes, okay, my sister lived in New Zealand for 12 years, and he gets this rep that he's not aggressive enough, and he's not, he doesn't have the, the, the bit between his teeth that David Chua had. But I've been down there, and you've got to remember, Mike, they're placid people. They're chilled out people. They don't, you know, they're not aggressive. Yeah. And people goes, oh, yeah, Parker doesn't like a fight. Yeah, he can fight, but he's a good guy. He's just a chilled out New Zealand guy. Do you know what I mean? He don't like, yeah. he, he doesn't need to do much. They're like, um, they're very similar to Samoan culture. Um uh, well, yeah, Hawaiian they're, culture. They're off Samoan descent. A lot of them. Yeah. 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 And so um, it, it is, it's a laid back kind of culture and their personality is laid back. And I think sometimes a lot of people misinterpret that. Um, if you just look at Parker's fights, yeah. he's had some bangers over the years. So he, oh, he yeah. you know, he can definitely go in there and, and mix it up. Um, but yeah, to answer your Absolutely. question about the pay-per-view, the biggest reason that yeah. the pay-per-views are so much here in America is because of the 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 network structure. You split so much of the money the promoter does with the pay-per-view provider. Now that's changing as things go to these streaming platforms. But traditionally on network TV, you right. had to split basically half of the revenue with the network. And that's why it was bumped up so much. Um our whole cable system over here is insane. I mean, people pay $200 a month for cable over here. It's nuts. It, the whole thing is crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. $200. It, can you imagine? And That's people crazy. do that. People actually do that. People that are struggling paying their rent pay $200 for cable and they spend another $500 a month on lottery tickets. It's insane. <clears throat> I don't think it's that much different here. I mean, but one of my friends today said, oh, I'm 200 pounds a month in Sky TV because he's got all of the channels. And I'm like, you you watch one thing a month on it. Yeah, it's but insane. I like having it. I'm like, <laughs> you like having it. Like, Get the fire you, stick. You could go to the event in person. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah well, that you, too. you could, but... But, well, Mike, I'll let you get on with the show, my man, but uh, I'll catch up with you after the Parker fight. But I'm, I'm, I might have egg on my face after it, but I'm saying Parker, either late stoppage or points if Zhang doesn't catch him. But I, I think it'd be a great fight. I think it's going to be a great fight. And I'm off to Italy three days after it. Yes. Nice. You're going to have to let us know how that goes. Yes. Oh, I will do. I will do. You take care, my man. God bless. You too, brother. Have a great weekend. Great call. All right. Uh, super chat from Trent. Thank you so much, Trent. He says, thoughts on Benavidez Vajdek for the WBC interim 175 belt. Who wins, Mike? These IBA fight nights sneak up on me, but the main event were amateur bouts. Um, so, Trent, you must be jumping on the show late. And I, again, I'm, the nature of the show right now is chaos because I go on with like 20 minutes of notice. So you got a lot of you guys just don't know I'm going live when I go live. Um, and I apologize. That's just young, young father uh, right now um, life. Um, but anyway, uh, I did cover it earlier in the show. Um, I, I favor Benavidez be, only because I just don't know if Vajdik is anywhere near his top form. I mean, 
I mentioned this earlier. He fought Better BF in uh, 2019 and lost. Did not fight for three years. 2020 through 2022, he did not fight. Came back in 2023, but against you know C-level opposition. No disrespect to those guys, but that's the level of opposition Vajdik fought. So I just don't know what level he's at. If he's anywhere near his best, okay, we know he's not. He's definitely past his best because he's in his late 30s. But if he's anywhere near that peak form, uh, Benavidez, um, he has fought uh, only at 168. This will be his first fight at 175. It's going to be interesting, brother. And as far as the WBC interim, that is a way for Mauricio Suleiman to keep the Al Heyman, PBC, Benavidez side happy, and the Canelo Alvarez side happy simultaneously. That's just business from the WBC. And Trent has another super chat. Thanks again, Trent. He says, IBA fight night reminded me of the World Series of Boxing. Is it amateur or pro, Mike? The event in Tajikistan uh, caught me off guard with Sugar Ramos versus Rachmanov for a mandatory to Cordina's belt. I haven't seen any of them. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think it's they're both. I, I, aren't they like what we call pro-am shows where they have both? Um, the World Series of Boxing was kind of in this in-between stage and they're not considered pro. I, I, I don't know. I don't know um, how you consider them. I appreciate the super chat, bro. Uh, all right, guys, I could take one more call. One more call. So um, let me jump to Thad here. We'll wrap up with that. I apologize to everybody else on the line. Dad, what's up, my man? How you doing? Mike, thanks for squeezing me in. I want to make this impactful, you know, for the, the viewers and talk about some of these lines that just came out on these new fights with Canelo Alvarez, shockingly, six to one favorite over Jaime Munguia. Hmm. And I think that's important to mention because they pulled my bet on Canelo over Charlo. I, when that line came out, Canelo was minus 800, so I buried that. They canceled my bet, and then they posted Canelo minus 600 against Munguia. So that fight looks like it's going to happen because they're keeping that those odds up. Okay, interesting. I think it's a high line. I think they're uh, I think they're highly underrating Munguia being the younger guy, being very active, energetic. It's a problem fight for Canelo. I, I think he has a chance to lose if he's not buttoned up. So that's something to keep an eye on right there. Um, Frank Martin versus Gervonta Davis. Gervonta Davis is minus 650 over Frank Martin. Hmm. So basically, it's, it's same as Can the Canelo. Uh, again, Frank Martin, I think, is overrated. Gervonta's protected. You know, it's, it is what it is. I, I'm not even enthusiastic about that fight. Yeah. Here's another one that gets me. Benavides, minus 650 over Vodzik. That is a huge overlay, in my opinion. I think moving up in weight, yeah, it might benefit Benavides. But Vodzik is used to fighting bigger men. He's the same height. He's close in size. He's about 6'3", walks around probably like 215. Okay, he's a big guy in his, in his own right. I think this is a, a snake pit. Hmm. For Benavides, who I don't really give a lot of credit to as, as far as being anything great. Like, he does a lot of good things. He's not great at anything, though. And I think Vajda gives him a boxing lesson. I think he has a little too much pop to catch him between the shots to keep Benavides off him. And unlike Plant, I don't, he's not going to tire 
He's not going to gas as easy. And and let's let's be honest. Andrade is an absolute dog. He always was a dog. He he can't take a punch. He quit like a dog in that fight. Vojdig is not a dog. He took everything uh, the Turby have had and more, and he succumbed. I mean the. I mean, that was a beating. I mean, he was giving Baturbia as good as he was getting, yeah, but this yes. is Arthur Baturbia. And <laughs> that video I sent you about Baturbia twirling a 45-pound barbell with his wrist, one-handed, twirling it. I've never seen strength like that in, in, in human history, at least in boxing. <laughs> to have forearms that strong, every punch is going to be damaging, and Vajdig... Give him credit for lasting to 10 in a war. Mm-hmm. Okay, but Benavides is not the Turbiev. I think that's a major overlay. And then I want you to guess what the odds are for Ryan Garcia versus Devin Haney. Take a guess. Huh. Uh, I'm probably going to look stupid saying I, they, they got to have Haney, what, uh, minus 400, something like that. <laughs> at the very lowest at BetMGM, Hayes minus 600, but at the highest, he's minus 800. So oh, basically, wow. they're telling you that Haney's the same type of favorite that Tim Zhu is a favorite over Thurman, wow. which is an absolute ridiculous line in and of itself. Thurman, you might as well just bet your entire house and mortgage and, 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 and your retirement and your children's college fund on Thurman, or um, against Thurman, I should say, against Thurman because he is going to, <laughs> I mean, he's going to get decimated, but it's just, it's interesting that Vegas odds, they overlaid Haney that much. And it's because they know that Ryan Garcia is, is a half, he's, he's half invested in boxing. He's a professional poker player right now, Mike, this guy's in poker rooms more than me. All right. And I, I have video, video proof. This guy is, is, he's a poker pro now. And I think this is a cash out fight. And I think the establishment is dying to get Devin Haney over, meaning in the wrestling world that over means that you're the man now, mm-hmm. you know, they want to make Haney the face of boxing, this establishment in the United States, they view him as the new Floyd because he's controllable. He's educated. You know, this guy didn't grow up, you know, on the streets. This guy grew up with a silver middle spoon class. in his mouth. Yeah. He had, yeah. he had, no, not middle-class Mike. This guy, his mother, his stepmother, very wealthy, very well. And I mean, wealth hmm. and they have connections. Okay. And they, he had private tutors. This guy was well-schooled as a child. Every, he had everything handed to him. Okay. Forget all that crap about wearing the grill. And, you know, he wants to be tank Davis, you know, it's an act. It's all that is, is an act. That's like a, he's a vanilla ice, you know, you know, that's what he is. He's, he's the black vanilla ice. Let's just put it that way. He's very educated, very well spoken, and and they, I think the, I actually think Vanilla Ice think. was more hood, honestly, because at least Vanilla Ice would hang out <laughs> in those spots and break dance and shit with those guys. Uh, Haney had never done that shit. <clears throat> That's until Suge Knight until Suge Knight dangled him out of a five story yeah, window. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. I think that came to an end at that Good point. Times. But that's that's kind of like who Haney is. You know, he's uh, you know, this guy wears the grill and he tries to. You know, he had that fake gun charge brought up because they wanted to give him some street cred, all that. You know, Haney is, is um, you know, basically the WWF fighter, WWE fighter. 
you know, he's, he's all show and, and the establishment loves him. They want to put him over. So they put this fight on non-pay-per-view. They put it on regular zone. They want to get as much exposure possible because they know this is a clear win for Haney. Garcia is just, he's done as a fighter. You saw in his last fight, he was turning his back. When you see a fighter turn their back like Wilder and, and, and Garcia, they're afraid to get hit. They, they're just not, they're not in it anymore. They're not willing to risk it all. If you're a fighter, you have to be willing to put your life on the line, all right? And he's just not willing to do that. And I don't blame him. The guy has movie star looks. He's got a, you know, a fan base, you know, well beyond boxing. All credit to him. But he's cashing out and he's selling his name to Haney. And the establishment knows this. So people that are buying this or, uh, you know, that are putting effort into this and this fake, you know, uh, promotion, it's nauseating to watch. It really is. I mean, they're fake fighting, you know, and Bill Haney's in the background. I, I don't know how you watch any of that crap. I don't watch any of that shit. I don't. It just comes across my feed, and I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, it's it's nauseating. But, hey, if people are entertained by that, then fine. I mean, I know people like weird stuff. I mean, they watch NBA. I mean, there, there are people out there that enjoy, you know, kind of being lied to and, and placated. Uh I, I just think that's an easy win for Haney decision. You could put it anywhere. He's going to get a decision. You cannot be Devin Haney by decision. We all see that. You know, the way the structure is, you know, judges, they, they're doing what they're told. You know, they're doing, you know, to put food on their table and get jobs. And that's, that, that line is minus 600, minus 800 for a reason. You know, if you're looking to invest in a fight, I mean, put it on Haney. He has no chance of losing this fight. Garcia doesn't have what it takes to systematically break down a pure boxer like that. You got to, you got to, you know, you got to have relentless pressure, educated pressure. Haney knows how to neutralize a, a left hook, and it, it, he'll tie him up and run the whole entire fight. So that's what we're going to be left with um, on, on that stage, Mike. But um, as far as ESPN is concerned. I think it's like three fights in a row shows that absolutely have been ridiculous in, the, in, in how it's been, you know, brought to the public and, and the lull in action and the, the yeah, they very, do. very, just bad matchmaking. Yeah. God, just the, awful the pace matchmaking. of those shows are so bad. Oh, I, I hope, it's hope so it, bad. the only, the, I'm excited for their May shows, but I'll tell you why it's because they're all overseas. So like, in a way, Neri, uh, Loma Cambosos, those will be overseas, and I could just tune in and watch the main event. It'll be on during the day. But there's oh, those cards at night. Mike. I can't watch them, man. But then I got to jump. Wow, man. you bring I, up. I got to jump. Yeah. Right. Mike Neary, you know, and in a way, in a way, is minus 1100. That's an overlay. Neary's going to be a very tough out. That's a fight that I'm looking forward to. My God. Me too. That's absolutely a, a barn burner. So thanks for the time, Mike. You know, hopefully. You know, you have you have more shows to, you know, talk about this stuff. So, good job. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Take care. You too. All right, real quick, I want to get a couple super chats. Um, another one from Trent here. Thank you, Trent. He says Nikita Abibi and Alexia Spino fought on an IBA fight night, but uh, this year, but it's not on box rec. Ben's opponent Dobson also fought on there too. Yeah. So, well, I guess they're not pro then. I mean, BoxRec is very strict in what they recognize and what they don't recognize. It's the same thing with um, there's certain sanctioning organizations they don't recognize, certain belts and titles and stuff they don't recognize. 
and certain uh, jurisdictions they don't recognize. Uh, some fights take place <clears throat> in, um, I think there's certain fights that have taken place in Mexico that they just won't recognize. Uh, it, it's all about how you report it and the way it rolls up. Uh, CJ Donko with the super chat. Thank you so much, CJ. Oh, that was you calling in. He said, uh, join on late. Miss getting on the line. Salute to MLB crew. Montero's and fussy one-year-olds. Oh, yeah. And I know you know about that, too. Your little dude looks very chill. I don't know what you guys did, but every video and picture I see, he looks very chill and very calm. And I'm like, please teach us so I can teach my daughters how to be chill. They're hyper little things. All right, guys. Uh, that is it for this show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Spread the word. Pay the fee. All right, share the show. Love you guys, and we'll do it again soon.